This week's edition of the Detroit Bureau's Headlight News is brought to you by Toyota. Take your adventures further with the RAV4 Hybrid's advanced engine that produces an ample 219 combined net horsepower and has an EPA-estimated 40 combined MPG. A hybrid-exclusive XSE-grade pushes it further with its sport-tuned suspension and styling. Visit toyota.com rav4hybrid to find out more. This is the DetroitBureau.com's Headlight News. I'm Paul Eisenstein. Welcome. It was a busy week in the automotive world, and here are some of the big stories we've been covering on thedetroitbureau.com. After surging to record prices of over $5 a gallon during the spring, gas prices have started tumbling across the U.S., dipping to less than $4 a gallon in some parts of the country. Analysts expect the downward trend to continue, pointing to increased petroleum supplies and concerns about a possible recession. The run-up in fuel prices helped push EV sales up nearly 70% during the first half of 2022, and automakers are ramping up production to meet demand. Ford said this past week it plans to roll out 2 million EVs annually by the end of 2026, but the automaker warned it'll cut as many as 8,000 jobs as it pairs back the traditional gas-powered side of its business. General Motors CEO Mary Barra, meanwhile, predicted her company will be outselling Tesla by 2025. It'll have 30 all-electric models in production by then, including the new Chevrolet Blazer SUV it unveiled last week. There'll be four different trim packages, including a high-performance Blazer SS. GM's Cadillac division, meanwhile, revealed the most expensive model in its history. The all-electric Celestique will start at $300,000 and position it against ultra-exclusive brands like Rolls-Royce and Bentley. For its part, Volkswagen also aims to outsell Tesla by mid-decade, spending $100 billion to meet that goal. But the architect of that strategy, CEO Herbert Deese, was forced to tender his resignation last week. He'll be replaced in September by Oliver Bloom, who currently runs the Porsche brand. It's unclear whether Bloom will ease back on VW's EV program, but he's expected to move forward on plans for a Porsche IPO. Tesla may be a target, but it's a moving one. And again, it outperformed Wall Street expectations, nearly doubling second-quarter earnings to $2.25 billion. That said, the EV maker admitted it ran into a variety of problems, notably at its two newest plants in Berlin and Texas. Amazon last week began rolling out a fleet of battery electric delivery vans produced by EV startup Rivian. It expects to have 100,000 of them in use by 2030. The vans should be operating in 100 U.S. cities by the end of this year. Honda this week rolled out its next-generation Civic Type R. Final specs weren't revealed, but it's expected to boast at least 320 horsepower, making it the most powerful Civic ever, and it will continue to offer a manual transmission. Finally, the annual J.D. Power Appeal Study finds motorists frustrated with their new vehicles this year. Scores went down for gas models due to concerns about fuel economy, but motorists were equally dissatisfied with EVs due to long charging times. Porsche was the highest-ranked brand this year, Dodge the winner among mainstream marks. And those are the stories making headlines on TheDetroitBureau.com. Now for the week's top story, here's Joe Sesney. Thanks, Paul. The Volkswagen Group's move to name Scott Keogh head of Volkswagen of America, the CEO of its new all-electric Scout brand, surprised many. More importantly, it spotlighted two things. The first is just how good Keogh is at his job. He led the turnaround of VW's fortunes in the U.S. while readying the market for EVs. Second, the success of the U.S.-centric Scout brand is so important Volkswagen wanted its best executive outside Germany to launch it. 
In the bigger picture, electric vehicle success in the U.S. is critical, and automakers are investing heavily in it, and not just in terms of billions of dollars. Ford CEO Jim Farley restructured the company into two separate units, Ford Model E, which handles its EV business, and Ford Blue, which houses the company's traditional business. Ford Blue is looking at some major cuts in personnel, as many as 8,000 workers, to reduce costs. Meanwhile, GM's chief executive, Mary Barra, continues to maintain the company will be the electric vehicle leader by the middle of the decade. The Detroit-based automaker, with help from Honda, is focusing on bringing to market several affordable EVs to make them more appealing to a wider audience and make that prediction come true. That's our top story. Now let's go to Mike Strong, who has this week's review. Thanks, Joe. If you're looking for a pickup truck, there are more options now than ever before. Do you want a full-size, mid-size, or a compact model? Gas, diesel, hybrid, or electric? With all the options, I feel like one model gets lost in the shuffle, the Honda Ridgeline. Before the Ridgeline Black Edition appeared in my driveway, I'd never driven a Ridgeline before, and I wasn't quite sure what to expect. After a week in the Ridgeline, I can say my eagerness to drive it was rewarded with excellent performance, a great ride for a pickup, and all the utility one should expect. Fittingly, it was clad in crystal black pearl on the outside, including all the chrome bits and wheels. It's not just black, it's almost sinister looking. On the inside, the cabin is awash in black with red accents, and plenty of leather. Again, it's almost a little angry with the black headliner, black leather trim steering wheel, and perforated black leather seats with red contrast stitching. Functionally, it's like most Hondas, filled with technology that's easy to use. Everything is within reach of the driver, and all the requisite advanced driver assistance technology is in place. However, trucks are often about what's under the hood, and the Ridgeline Black Edition is no slouch. The truck is powered by a 3.5-liter V6, putting out 280 horsepower. It's responsive and strong while offering reasonable, although not outstanding, fuel economy, despite a 9-speed automatic transmission. The EPA says it gets 18 miles per gallon in the city, 24 highway, and 21 combined. It also comes with full-time all-wheel drive, which hardcore truck owners may sneer at. But hey, it's an imperfect world. It'll tow that bass boat or anything else that's 5,000 pounds or less. If you're looking to buy a pickup these days, you're shelling out a fair bit of cash, and the Ridgeline's not an inexpensive option. It starts at just over thirty-nine grand for the Sport model and expect to pay nearly $47,000 for the Black Edition. Is it worth it? I've driven other mid-sized trucks that cost the same that I like less. So yeah, I'd say it fits right in with the rest of the group. That's our review. Now let's look at what's coming in the week ahead. The UAW leads off the week as it begins the process of electing new officers for the beleaguered union, holding its 38th Constitutional Convention in Detroit. The event, during which delegates will nominate individuals to run for the union's top leadership posts, begins Monday and concludes Thursday. Attendees will select nominees to run for president and secretary-treasurer, as well as three vice presidents and nine regional director positions. Voting begins in October, with the election wrapping up at the end of November. While democracy is in action in downtown Detroit, just up the street at GM World Headquarters on Tuesday, the auto company will release its second quarter financial results. Analysts expect the company to be profitable, of course, despite the difficulties the industry is having getting vehicles onto dealer lots. Ford follows with its Q2 earnings on Wednesday. Much like its Detroit area rival, the automaker is expected to be profitable. 
However, the real focus will be on recent reports the company plans to cut as many as 8,000 employees as it looks to reduce costs. Gluttons for punishment, several top Ford executives will also participate in a virtual fireside chat Thursday afternoon with BNP Paribas. While the agenda calls for a discussion about the company leveraging foundational strengths and scaling up its electric vehicle operations, many listening will want more color on the previously mentioned job cuts. These are just some of the events we'll be covering next week, as well as any breaking news. Now let's check out some automotive history with Larry Prince. Larry? Thanks, Mike. Time to take a road trip back into the self-propelled past with This Week in Automotive History. This week in 1934, Harold Ames, a Cord Corporation vice president with an engineering background, files a patent for the retractable headlight. It would debut on the 1936 Cord A10, the first front-wheel drive car with an independent suspension. Nicknamed the Coffin Nose Cord and originally designed for Duesenberg, it had many innovations, including a lack of running boards, hidden door hinges, a horizontal grille, and a pre-selector gearbox. The following year, in 1935, Carlton McGee's automatic parkometer is installed by the Dual Parking Meter Company in Oklahoma City and placed at 20-foot intervals. The first parking meters cost five cents for one hour of parking, which is not as cheap as it sounds. That's a dollar eight per hour when adjusted for inflation. In 1936, Carl Meyer, nephew of meat purveyor Oscar Meyer, creates the first Oscar Meyer Wienermobile. Built by the General Body Company in Chicago, the vehicle costs $5,000 to build. Wienermobiles are still being used by the company as promotional devices and are staffed by college interns known as hot doggers, accompanied by a second employee riding shotgun. Finally, in 1974, the final Volkswagen Carmen Ghia is built by German coach builder Carmen. Designed by Italy's Ghia using a VW Beetle chassis, it debuts in 1955 looking much like the 1953 Chrysler Ghia. Offered as a coupe or convertible, it is not as fast as it looks. Reaching 60 miles an hour takes 36 seconds. It took far less time to become a collectible, with the earliest models fetching more than $36,000 today. And that's the road we've traveled this week in automotive history. For TheDetroitBureau.com, I'm Larry Prince. Thanks, Larry, and that's it for now. You've been listening to thedetroitbureau.com's Headlight News. I'm Paul Eisenstein.